Yes, 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 people. It is part two of today's echo chamber. Right? And in part two, right? Look, we're bringing the heat, baby. We're bringing the heat. We have got a sword and sorcery extravaganza, right? From the man Dan Lance, and um, we speak to Dan as well. So you get the review, and you get a great conversation. Are you ready? Buckle up, people. Get that sword shoot helmet on. Let's okay, people. So, are you ready for that metal evil action? You ready? All right, let's get some alpha rift. Okay, people. So, I've always been a fan of you know, sword and sorcery and all of that kind of thing, you know, which probably was one of the things that drew me to Lord of the Rings right and, and classic shit like that so i was very interested to check out alpha rift now this is the new film from dan lance okay he also wrote the piece you know what I mean? um and he produced it along with uh jody shorts uh jim beckett adam danoff Roy Corkin, Rob Margalis, and Tom McHenry. Cinematography is handled by Mike Henley and Tom McCoy. Oh my gosh, it's an allergy day, people. Jesus Christ. Uh, the editing is handled by Guzman Cabarello. Uh, Chetan Kumar, uh, Lance, Alejandro Macias, and Natasa Varanjas. Casting was Diana Harry and Jason Loftus. Production design is Norman Dodge. Uh, we got makeup by Sarah Francavilla, Diane Heller, Fallon Morasa. Briona Smith, Eva Marie Swarbutt, and Sherry Vital. Okay. Now, um, yeah, our cast, right? We should, uh, yeah, we, we, we should probably talk about the, uh, the, the cast and all of that who was involved, Yuri, because, yeah. We had some good names attached. All right, so um, Lance. Oh, where are we? Yes, here we go. Lance Henrik plays Corbin. Uh, Aaron Dalla Villa plays Nolan. Uh, we've got Rachel Nelson as Gabby. Philip N. Williams is Blades. Uh, we've got Graham Wolf as Vickers. Alison Maladra as Kate. Okay. 
And uh, yeah, the the gist of the story. Well, it's like this. Um, Nolan Pathmore was just a regular guy hanging with friends, working his game store, flirting with his co-worker. Then one day, destiny came calling. A courier delivers a mysterious antique helmet with no note or description. When Nolan puts it on, his whole world changes. The helmet comes to life and calls out to an evil demon, Lord Dragmar, who was imprisoned by Nolan's deceased father. Nolan soon discovers he is next in the bloodline. Heir to the nobleman, destined to become a hero whether he wants to or not. Since the Dark Ages, the noblemen have been guardians against the 13 devil's apostates. Dark forces escaped from hell and let loose upon an earth. Generations later, it's the heirs of these original knights that possess the power to open the Alpha Rift, the only defense against these supernatural foes, which, you know, definitely sounds pretty, uh, pretty cool, right? And, um, Dan, right, we got a, a, a statement from Dan Lance himself. I have always been a fan of knights, chivalry, and the Arthurian legend. Throughout my career, I've wanted to make a movie about medieval knight in modern times, sort of a contemporary Don Quixote. My first incarnation of Alpha Rift was back in 1995 with a story called The Nobleman. It was originally about a comic book store owner with a chaotic obsession with an undercover policewoman. Every few years or so, I would pull the script off the shelf and um, do a rewrite. By 2017, the idea of a comic book store had become cliche and I needed a new hook to separate Alpha Rift from the pack. A trip to the PAX East gaming convention gave me the uh, epiphany that finally brought Alpha Rift into its own. The lead character, Nolan Pathmore, is an avid tabletop gamer. The idea that the lead character has been playing the hero on a game board his whole life really appealed to me. Yes, I know you were saying, what about the last Starfighter? Well, that thought came through my head, as well as so I made Nathan Poe's journey was different. He is not the most skilled nor the first choice to fight the demon unleashed on the world, but he is the one destiny has chosen, just like in real life. We are unprepared for life's greatest challenges, and Nolan is no different. I worry to tell the story of a reluctant hero. Nolan is not a Luke Skywalker seeking out adventure or an angst-filled teen wanting a better life. His life is actually pretty good and he has 
no desire to, for change. I try to put myself and hopefully the audience into his shoes, reluctant at first, but intrigued by suddenly finding himself the chosen one. However, he quickly realizes that combat training is painful and being a hero isn't all it's cracked out to be. Um, ultimately, I wanted to create a fun movie going experience for the kind of folks who love a good escape. This is the kind of movie I loved to watch when I was a kid and still love today. Giving the audience some action, laughs and a little romance will hopefully bring them joy and wanting more. That's just the beginning of the Alpha Rift story. Dum, dum, dum. And yes, it does feel like it's the first in a series because, you know, we get hints of you know, more in the uh, the nobleman heritage, right? Which which is serious, and also could take us to fields far afield, to far afield, far ooh, other places in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, it starts off, and you are kind of because we see two guys in helmets fighting, but just helmets, right? Rest of the garb. It's just normal, everyday clothes. And they're fighting in the streets of a big city. So we see this. And then you see men with, um, like, rifles running uh, but while these two are fighting. And it ends with them stabbing each other. And we see this green mist. We see this green mist. Then we jump forward 15 years. Right? So we're just like, huh, okay. And it, you know what I mean? Because it looks a little odd, just the helmet and all of that kind of thing. But you are intrigued. It does intrigue you, you know? And so then we're with um, Nolan. He's in his store. You know, he, he, he's talking with his friends. They're playing tabletop and all of that. And this is when we're kind of introduced to the nobleman. Right, we learn more about them because he, he, they're explaining it to the kids playing the game and all of that kind of jazz, right? And you know, it does sound like a a, a, a fun game, right? It sounds a fun game. It sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, something along those sort of lines. You know what I mean? So we have this. And we kind of get more about Nolan and his friends. You know, there's Gabby, who, you know, they both kind of like each other. It's one of them things, right? Um, but then we kind of flip and see the nobleman at work, right? We see how the apostle, right, this new apostle, Lord Dagmar, kind of comes to be, right? Which all of those things, it, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. And I will say, the first thing that really sprung to mind was this reminded me of one of those 80s films, right? It reminded me of a willow, a legend, right? Uh, a princess bride, a Flash Gordon. You know, I mean, no, those are the kind of movies that sprung to mind because it's a little hammy. It's a little goofy, but it's very fun, 
right? It, it's very fun in how it's kind of put together and uh, brought to life. Now, you do look at it and, like, some of the effects, yeah, some of the effects could be better, right? But, you know, it's a low-budget indie, so you understand and you can roll with it, right? Um, and it is that, you know, that, that journey. A kid, he finds a helmet and he become he gets to live this kind of fantasy that he's been playing. Uh, but then, yeah, there's that realisation that it, it's not quite like how we be playing, how we, you know, game master it and all of that kind of thing. It's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. You're not going to enjoy every moment of it. Now, there are things, right, that you do roll your eyes out a little bit because now there is a thing where he says, oh, he took fencing letters. He's been doing fencing all his life as a kid, right? But his sword fighting, he kind of sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, how can you be that bad at sword fighting if you've been doing this shit? You know what I mean? And then the, the, it, it, it's just that thing. And I get it, right? You, you, you're trying to build intrigue. So you have someone and they're kind of fighting back at being told what to do and all of this. But I would say the fact that he owns a gaming store, right? I you imagine he's read comics, he watches, you know, he superhero films, sword and sorcery films, all of that kind of jazz. So you understand the process, right? You understand the process. And you understand that the people training you are trying to help you, right? And then also the, yeah, the training is going to start off at one level and it's going to get more difficult, right? So there is this kind of braggy cockiness and just petulance that you think, all right, you know, at first, but chill it, chill it a little. And the, the love romance, I, I could have done without it, right? There is a point where the, the, the kiss, kiss is a pet. And he's like, the best kiss would be like, homie, you ain't been kissed much then. <laughs> but these are small little things because however goofy, I did enjoy it. It was fun. It was fun and it did bring me back. As I said, it brought me back to, yeah, the 80s. And watching things as a little kid, you know, when you watch the Karate Kid and just stuff like that, right? Um, and yeah, that there's an innocence there, you know. Plus, you you watch this and you'd be like, huh? I wonder if that could be a board game. Because you kind of feel that, yeah, that that could be a nice little spin-off. You know what I mean? Board game. They could spin it into comic. There's all manner of things, and yeah, it's set up in a way where we we will probably we could get more, right? There's the opportunity to tell more in the Alpha Rift story, and it is a good, it's a decent story. You know what I mean? It's a decent story, and I say this, right? Remember the 2000s Dungeons and Dragons film, right? That sucked. 
and your highness sucked. I preferred this to both of those. So, yeah, there's your gauge, people. There is your gauge. You know what I mean? Like, I thought this was better. And as I said, look, if you enjoy those classic films from the 80s. Now, I'm not saying this is necessarily as good as A Princess Bride, but it has the spirit of, right? It's got the spirit of a willow. You know what I mean? It's got the spirit of a legend, a Flash Gordon, right? It imbues those stories. Uh, so, yeah. If you want to relive that childhood or you just want a, a sword and sorcery film with a slightly different tilt to it, then people, Alpha Rift may be the film for you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, go check it out on all your favorite VODs, you know, because I, I think it could definitely be something that you dig. You know what I mean? Because I did. Right, and you know, hey, I've got pretty good taste. You know what I mean, I've got pretty good taste, people. So maybe get you some Alpha Rift. Right, people, we've had the info in the film. We laid that down. Now we get to listen from the director, the writer, the man behind it all, the great Dan Lance. People, this is a fun one, so yeah. Okay, people, so today on Echo Chamber, we have, not the cat, but we have Dan Lance. <laughs> Dan Lance. Hey, hey, hey. We're talking about Dan's new film, Alpha Riff. And um, yeah, Alpha Rift, there it is. And all the other stuff Dan has been doing, you know what I mean? So, um, yes. yeah, Dan literally just watched it, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I read the, the, the you know, the print, the press kit, the statement, and everything like that. So, how's it feel first out the gate to finally have this thing done? Right, it's been, it sounds like it was 20 years in the making. You conceived yes. the idea in 2011, and um, no, that's not 20 years, no, 1995, 96. 19, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the first idea like, no. originally, I had this idea. Um, the simplest thing really was, uh, what if Batman was real in the real world, and that made me realize he'd be, and then that started this you know, idea of flow, 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 which eventually became a, a guy who has a comic book shop and loves comics so much he wants to be a character in the comic book. And so that was the original idea. We wrote it, the screenplay run a few screenplay contests and it was really a big dream to make. But unfortunately, that's an expensive movie to make. <laughs> so uh, it kind of sat on the shelf for a very, very long time. In about every five years, I'd bring it out and rewrite it. You know, things like answering machines were in the original draft, which are not there anymore. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, and then it got more modern and I had beepers, right? <laughs> and then I rewrote it again. And then we had cell phones without, you know, and then, and then it became smartphones, you know, so it evolved every, you know, couple of years. And then finally, 
I'd been making other movies, smaller movies, you know, action, you know, but they had an action element in them. And then the movie before this one, the whole third act was really an action comedy. And I was like, yeah, I want to do the whole movie like that. So uh, the opportunity in in the meantime, uh, superhero movies became very popular. I mean, they're incredibly popular now. And uh, and on top of that, but my thought, my idea about comic books and a comic book shop by by now is kind of a passe idea. Because you got movies like Kick Ass and Super Bad. No, not Super Bad. Super. No, super. Yeah, Super. Right. Yeah. And so, so the idea of a guy wanting to be a superhero kind of was a cliche idea by then. So I was like, eh, this is good, but it's not fresh. Uh, and then um, I went to PAX with my kids, who are, of course, you know, teenagers. They're not babies. And we were just hanging out doing our thing. And um, I assume this audience knows what PAX is. And but there's a huge tabletop component at PAX, and I was and for me personally, I was more into the tabletop gaming than the video gaming part, and I just loved it. And and then I wasn't alone. I realized, wow, a lot of people love tabletop, and it's it's actually on its way back in a big surge. So I was like, that's it. This is my hook. It's the story about a guy who owns a game store, and how people, you know, game stores are now a thing where people love to go to stores just to play the games to be around other humans. So I was like, that's it. That's my hero. That's his story. That's his hook. And and so one of the games he plays is a, a game based on the legend that's been around in his life forever. And slowly but free, you find out that the legend is real. And the reason why he plays that game all the time is because his, par- his parents have been grooming him to learn everything possible about the legend because he's actually in it. So when it comes time for him to take on the mantle, he knows and he's prepared. And, you know, as a kid, he's being taking fencing lessons and, and, you know, martial arts and stuff because his parents make him do it and he doesn't know why. And then all of a sudden, you know, 20 years later, it all makes sense. So, (laughs) Yeah. So how quickly, once you went to PAX, right, how quickly did this story kind of coalesce you just think oh no this is the story now oh almost instantaneously like the minute because you know it's been my quote baby for years and i've been wanting to make it happen and it also coincided with i just finished blood runners which is the movie starring ice t and we just put it out and we're like what are we going to do next and um and i'm like well i have the script i've been working on for 20 years and so I did a couple of dra- I was working on drafts of that script at the time. And uh, it just, we were making it, it just was like missing something. It didn't feel, yeah. it felt, it felt cliche because it's the idea of someone wanting to be a superhero or loving it's now, I mean, I've seen it dozens of times. I think there's dozens of shows and movies where the lead character loves comic books and wants to be a hero. So I was just like, I, I want to make this movie, but I just don't, it doesn't feel fresh. And then when the whole gaming thing came about, it was like, yes, of course. And, you know, it's like you're sitting in my office, but like, you know, this is standard, standard <laughs> accoutrement on my desk, you know, in my, you know, just stacks of die. And, you know, so it's like, of course, you know, that's it. And it just was an easy pickup, you know, like I got my spinner ring here, you know. It's just like, that's it, that's it, that's it, you know? And so what, and, and, and creatively, when you're working on an idea, you know, it's it's just kind of like, there's the open synapses just waiting for that thing to fill them. And once that, once I was at that convention, it just was like a lightning bolt and it all came in. I'm like, this is it, this is it, it's good, this is it. And then 
I went to my executive producer, James Beckett, and he was like, absolutely, let's do this. This is it. You know, and that was just like, we got it, you know. But a lot of times, you know, you got an idea and it's, you love the idea. It's a good idea, but it's just missing something. And yeah. then once you get that, that thing, it's like, yeah. So that's how it came about. Okay. And this, I'm really curious about this, right? So you, you've, you've got the idea now, you've written it out. Now, how much of Nobleman did you flesh out? Right? Because, well, the story and the concept, because like watching it, I'm just like, yo, the spit, like this could be a tabletop game. This could be a comic book, right? They could be like find your own adventure novels. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is something, right? This is, I can see people playing this in Games Workshop or wherever, you know? Well, we have a game. We've, we've got a game. We've Uh been developed, we developed, we've been developing a game for several years. And I have prototypes. We have prototypes of the game, and we've been test playing them and just getting it right. But yeah, soon on the alpharift.com, sorry, www.alpharift.com. <laughs> if you subscribe to our website, you'll be on the mailing list. And uh, as soon as the game is ready, it's going to be announced to everyone. It goes in the blog and it gets announced to everybody. So, um, uh, yeah, so our, uh, um, we have a game. Uh, I've been, t- we definitely have a game that's like just, you know, we're waiting for the movie to come out. Yeah. Um, and then just let that happen. And then the game will come out. I don't want to dump it all in the world. Yeah. Once, yeah. No, that you know. makes sense. Um, yeah. But, and then also, you know, play testing reviews, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the game developer who's developing it, um, you know, they're doing some, other, they're doing some test campaigns with other products. So they're kind of just working out, you know, do we want to just sell it? Do we want to Kickstarter it? Um, because it's there, but it's like, you know, it's, these games are not cheap. It's like an $80 game. So with yeah. all the parts, so it's like, well, can we come up with another version that's like a more affordable version or maybe make a free downloadable version where you can just download it and play it for free. If you just print out all the stuff, we're trying to figure that out. Um, because the main version has actual, like, you know, miniatures and yeah, yeah. and 3d board pieces that are like. You know, it's a, it's, it's like in the movie. Like we, what I wanted to do for me as a director, I wanted the game to be like the game in the movie. Yeah. And the game in the movie is pretty elaborate, so that's great. But it might be too pricey for others. But you know, some games with all that stuff are about fifty, sixty, seventy bucks. Yeah, so it's not and, like I, it's and I crazy, think but is you you don't have to buy it all at once. You can add to it, right? That that's one of the things with those games that you you can get the basics and then you can add stuff yeah i think what we're gonna i mean right now we're kind of leaning towards we want people to play it it's so i think we're gonna probably make it so if you want to just download it and you know download the 3d print files and just print out your parts and print out your game you can do it if you want and then if you're lazy like me or just don't have a 3d printer you know you can just buy it so i that's some decisions we got to figure out you know we have cool things too like you know we have you know metal metal parts like metal coins that go in the game so we're just trying to figure out what's what's that you know we don't want to make something that's so outrageous that only four people buy it you know (laughs) Um, but we want to make something that's cool so that's that weird balance and i'm sure many this is like every game developer 
has gone through this where you're like, you know, you can make the greatest game in the world and then it's so expensive. Nobody buys it. Yes. And then you make a cheap game, but then it's just a cheap game. So um, it, that's really a lot of the, what's going on behind the scenes. But I think for sure, we're just going to put the, we have, you know, maybe like 30 or 40 prototypes that we'll just throw up on the website to buy for those who are interested. And then we'll eventually figure out like, what price point it should be out in the market and we might like do some social media and figure out like hey what do you think of the game is it what do you think it should be what should the price point be so because i'm not a gamer and the company we're working with you know they do game they've done you know games that are really cheap and and i want something that replicates the movie so there's a little bit of like where do we go here so yeah let's get the movie out let's get some fans get people to like it and then the game will come out come out next so you know what you should do right instead of a book tour right do a um game stop shot right and you could go to the game shots with the game and tell people the rules get people in playing it yeah we're gonna do that um well the game shop that's in the movie is a real game store it's ah. a real it's a real place it we even know it's called tiki tiki games in the movie it's a real place it really is okay. tiki tiki games. it's owned by somebody else than the characters in the movie <laughs> but at pax unplugged they're gonna have a booth and we'll be there making cool. appearances giving out swag so there is going to be that that crossover and we we'll probably bring some prototypes to the, the convention at pax unplugged for people to play because it's in philadelphia right where we're at where we made the movie so for us to go to uh pax unplugged is pretty straightforward and easy so uh, that's cool man yeah, yeah. I, I used to um yeah I, I used to do that as a kid you know get all the little metal figures paint them yeah. and just all of that you know i love being the uh the games master creating the adventures yeah so here fun. like you know there you go here's like a prototype right but the price point for that, you know, is a little much. I think people don't are going to have to pay, you know, mortgage their house to have a game with these in it. So <laughs> we're we're just trying to figure it out, you know. But anyway, but yeah, so the movie's coming out. Well, it's out in the UK now. Yeah, you can watch it on on demand, video theaters, and it's coming out in America on the nineteenth. So tomorrow, okay. we're very excited. Splendid, splendid. And like, what was the, you know, the reaction in your screenings and everything like that? You know, people like it. I mean, it's just a fun time. It's a fun, you know, I think I just, we just, a, a, re, a review just came in that was probably the most accurate description of what I was setting out to do. Um, I don't want to, I have, I have to quote it exactly. Don't want to quote it directly, but it, uh, it's something well, like and- a, a fun time. A fun time for everyone. A fun time everyone can enjoy. And that's what it is. It's a fun, it's a fun, enjoyable movie. You can sit around at Thanksgiving or Christmas and just hang out with your, you know, the kids will like it. Your parents will like it. I mean, it's essentially a Marvel movie without the Marvel budget is all it is. So it's those kind of characters, that kind of fun. You know, I would say, you know, uh, Ant-Man comedy combined with, you know, Wonder Woman shields and sword action, you know, so... Like it when I was watching it, it it brought me back to the eighties, right? It it had that kind of willow, you know what I mean? That uh, Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons, you know what I mean? That uh, it's an evocative movie, and uh, Marty McFly, 
yeah, Flash Gordon. Like it just yeah. kind of had those essences in it. It gave, it, it reminded me of that. It brought me back to my childhood when I was watching this. You know, it, it, it just had that that innocence about it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. offensive. It was just enjoy, an enjoyable adventure. Yeah, I do think over the last several decades, movies have gotten meaner and meaner. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I love a good Breaking Bad as much as anybody else. But I do think, you know, what there's a lot to be said for uh, just a, a fun time. And you don't need to have horrible things happening. You know, you can still find drama and entertainment and something that's not so dark. Now, there's, there's evil in this and there's death and stuff it's not like it's you know a jolly good time but the point is the tone is i want you know i want you to have fun and leave it with a smile on your face and so far that's been working and, and there's nothing wrong with that you know ted lasso seems to be doing just fine as a nice thing you know so there's a there's a there's a place in the world for happiness and nice stuff and fun entertaining things so yeah well yeah because i i think because, you know, I, I think it's that thing, right? So it, it's, as the technology improved, people wanted to make things that felt like real, like real life. And so mm-hmm. you started getting grittier and all of that. So you lost things like, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and things like that. But there's still a place for that. There's still a place for the innocent fun, right? We could have both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Well, I think things like, you know, Back to the Future, Gremlins, Home Alone, uh, you know, people still are watching those things over and over and over again, and they're still watching it with their families and their kids. So, you know, The Last Starfighter, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, Dragonheart, uh, you know, you can, these are movies, you know, these are all fun movies that you can enjoy and they don't you know and, and there can be goonies you know you can have a happy ending but still have some drama in, in the middle i mean even to extent a little bit of star you know star wars the old star wars which wasn't so crazy epic you know i mean yeah you can still have you know good guys bad guys you know stuff like that i mean i really wanted to define good and define bad and uh, have really likable characters so you just enjoy watching them you know yeah no that, that that was a thing like when you're creating these characters like how long did it take you to kind of flesh these people out and kind of figure all right these, these are the people i want in, in this story um it takes a lot that's actually the most difficult part of making a movie is fleshing out the characters because you want to make every character distinct uh and unique and so a lot of effort was made into Lance Hendrickson's character as the mentor, um, but more than just a mentor, you know, he he's sort of like, you know, he's arguing with his own people a little bit because he believes something that his lieutenant doesn't believe. So you got to have, you know, a mentor, but he could, you know, he still has his own conflicts. And then um, I have the lead character, Nolan, and his counterpart, Vickers, which are literally polar opposite of each other, but they're both with the same cause, you know, so I was really important to draw Vickers to be the exact opposite of Nolan, but not be unlikable. Yeah. So that took a lot of effort. You know, I had a great actor, Graham Wolf playing Vickers and another great actor, Aaron Dallavilla playing Nolan. So, but the interplay between those guys is really important because you need conflict all the time. And that really helps. 
Yeah, I, I was. I, I I felt I was more of Vickers, dude. I was more yeah. with Vickers. I was just like, no, let's stop whining. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Star Wars, right? Are you a Solo or do you like Han Solo or do you like Luke? You know, and it's the same exact thing, right? You know, they're both good guys, but are are you Team Luke or are you Team Han? You know, and and on that new, you know, uh, Rachel who plays uh, Gabby, um, Gabby. You know, I wanted her to be you know, the the voice of reason behind Nolan. And you usually don't have that. Usually you have the sidekick who's just agreeing with the, the lead or you have the, um, you know, the girlfriend who does nothing more than fawn. So I yeah. wanted her to be the character that's, you know, usually in these movies, the hero's the one who's mistrustful. The hero's the one who's like, I'm not so sure about this. But I wanted to do it where Nolan's like, yeah, this is great, let's do it. And then she's the voice of reason saying, whoa. You know, uh, it's just I, I like the dynamic that, you know, the sidekick is actually the one who's, you know, this brain, the heart, the voice of reason holding back the hero from doing stupid stuff. And the hero, and, because, you, you know, usually it's always anti-heroes, right? I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a hero. This isn't for me. And I wanted the exact opposite. You know, he wanted he wants to do it, but he doesn't realize it's more intense. And even in the trailer, you see the bit where he goes, time, time, time out. Like, it's kind of like, he still doesn't quite get that this is not a game. It's his whole life is a game. And now he's in reality, you know. And I'm playing off that where it's now real as opposed to a game. And she's a good voice of reason. And Rachel really holds her own for that, which is really great. So That, that scene did remind me of June. I just recently reread the book and watched yeah. the film. And when you have the bit where uh, Paul's tr sparring with Gurney, and he's like, yeah. I'm probably not in the mood today, Gurney. He's like, mood, mood. <laughs> what is it? Mood is for cows and seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and um, it's, it's sort of the same general gist, you know, it's kind of like, but it also a note on that though, like in Dune, when he finally did it, he, you know, um, in Dune he actually did beat the Gertie versus in Alpha Rift he actually got his butt kicked yeah. <laughs> by Vickers, you know. So it's like you know, he's still got a long way to go. I wanted to show that just because he's got training and a history of sword fighting doesn't mean he's actually a fighter. He just knows the moves, and it's just like everything else. I mean, it's one thing you could take a boxing aerobics class, and it's completely different when the other guy punches back. <laughs> And that's exactly. kind of like what I was playing off of. Like, you know, yeah, sure. He has a whole life of training on how to use a sword and how to do all this martial stuff, but no one ever punched him back, you know? So it's a, it's a completely different reality when someone's punching back. And that's what I yeah. wanted to show. He's like, you know, a lot of us these days, you know, our lives are kind of soft and we, you know, we, we don't really get in real conflict. And so I wanted to show that. And once again, what if, you know, what if I was actually thrown into that situation? Sure, I might have the knowledge of strategy and maybe read a lot of books on how to do stuff. But when someone punches you in the face and your head is ringing, it's a completely different world. And that's what I wanted Nolan to go through. And I mean, I'm not going to spoiler it, but you know what? You know what happens to him in his first training session? It ain't pretty. You know, so. <laughs> but that was good. I, I I was glad that that happened because. You know, you don't want because that sometimes you watch these films and the guy, you know, they pick up the sword or the gun and suddenly they're they're experts. And you're just like, but it doesn't happen like that. And even when you have a propensity for something, right? 
it's still like I can't go to jujitsu and tap out a black belt. No, because I, I don't have the knowledge yet. I still can't yeah. see that many steps ahead, right? But and that yeah. takes time. The more you do it, then the more you become, you know, it becomes ingrained in you. So it was good that, yeah, we did have the guy just be a, you know, a savant out the gate. And it's just like, oh, I could do all of this stuff. So, yeah, I enjoyed that that aspect of the film, you know? Yeah. And also, yeah. And so, um, but like we try to make it entertaining every step of the way. And, you know, and if there's, you know, there's always the, there's either action, there's an action scene every 10 minutes or less. And there's always something fun to look at. There's either conflict or comedy or romance constantly you know i i I, yeah i have this thing of what i call a hostile audience you know where they got other things they can watch so you got to entertain people you know and and i and i really do try to keep it as entertaining as possible as as much as possible so people aren't bored you know yeah now when you yeah we're thinking about the film and all of this right so you have the elements like at the very beginning when lord dagmar is released and all of that like yeah how did you like were there different ways in which you were like oh how are we going to show this on the screen before you fell on what you did yeah that was an interesting evolution uh we wanted to have this the helmet tied into the the cage and like the helmet is like the magic okay i'm not a big fan of when someone in a superhero movie where all of a sudden they get something and then they have every power known to man yeah. you know I, I i mean even though there hasn't been a good green lantern movie made yet yeah. but green lantern is like he's got his ring in it in his in his in his lantern and that's all he's got and everything comes from those two things and yeah. the same thing is like there's not a lot of magic and what little there is it's all encased in the helmet so it was important you know what i got it right here oh all right I got one of them anyway. We oh, nice. Yeah, we have several of them, but um, but it's four. But right? Like these, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's four. But from a production standpoint, there's a lot more. <laughs> but so see the so the idea was I wanted to design into the helmet. There's these three things, right? And they actually, as you you know, they come to life. Oops, I'm going the wrong way. They come to life, and then they form. You know, yeah, I actually got one of these too. Sorry the cage for the the soul and so the idea is all the magic comes from the helmet and the helmet's powered by the person so there's like a logic to it where the magical helmets were made in the past by the sorcerers the magical helmet has the power to create you know to capture someone open an alpha and then capture the soul in a cage and then of course we have crystals and stuff that you know encase it all um but uh and then I kind of just like the idea of, you know, you cannot trap evil. You can only lock it away. Evil is always going to exist. Yeah. And that's the general premise. And um, there's some jokes about it, too. It's like, really, dude, you couldn't figure out a better way to lock these things up. But it's just like, it's Murphy's Law. Like, evil will always find a way. You know, if you lock it in a vault in the bottom of the ground, in the bottom of the earth, there's going to be an earthquake. And the earth is going to crack and evil will get out. Evil, it's all about balance. You can never get rid of it. You just have to keep it in balance. And so... You know, there's a lot of the backstory, a lot of the design, you know, a lot of that's why I had the, the helmet is part of the cage. And, it, and, and it, we, I mean, I spent over a year designing the helmet 
and the whole process of the escaped demons and captured demons. It was, it's a, first of all, it's a core, it's essential to the movie. And second of all, I really wanted it to make sense because I have to admit, I'm not a big fan of when you watch a movie and something happens and you're like, I don't get that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I put yeah. a lot, I put a lot of effort to do it. Like, you know, and if you're really hardcore, this is actually made up of six bands. Three I'm from sorry. the right, three from the right, three from the left. There's actually six strands that form <sighs> this. So it's that like everything's thought through. Everything's thought through to a ridiculous level. Just nice. you know, so it all works and makes sense. So oh, that, that that's cool. And w was that like a lot of sketches, or did you use like modeling stuff to try and like you know bring it to life as you're trying to conceive it in your head? Like what was oh man, we I spent a mountain of effort. I mean, I could say I probably spent four months designing this thing. Working with concept artists, my own ideas, sketching things out, because there's so many things we wanted this to have. We wanted it to be, we wanted to have an we wanted it to have an expression, you know, a nice angry expression. We wanted it to feel like it was an actual face looking at you, as opposed to something, you know, just yeah. a, a, sh a shield with no emotion. You know, it was important to get the symbolism in there. Uh, I'm a big fan of filigree, so we had all the filigree on there. You know, and then this is sort of, I'm sorry, doing this backwards. So this is like all the mechanics of how it works. You know, these, this is all the magic of it, you know. And there were some other things that were really deep cuts that kind of were a little too much for the movie, maybe in the sequel. But we were going to show how like the helmet actually like, you know, like connects to the head, like by a needle or something and the human body powers it. But I thought that's a little yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's this fine line between overkill and... You know, we had some other things where you put the helmet on and all of a sudden arms armor grows on your body. Oh, you like saw, a uh, like a Giver kind of thing. Yeah, but I saw it in the movie. Well, there's Giver, and I also saw it in uh, Lost in Space. You know, so I've seen it before. Oh, and then, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Iron Man does, and like I don't. And then of course yeah. Iron Man does it. So I was like, eh, it's been done before. So I'm trying to keep. I'm I'm a big fan of. Whatever this super thing the person gets, it still make they're still incredible. Sure, they have one superpower, but everything else they're incredibly vulnerable to. Yeah, you know, I, I like how Xavier. Sure, he's got the greatest brain in the world, but he's crippled. You know, I love that. Yes. So, well, know, I, I, I think that's the thing, right? And I think that's the thing where where I, a lot of people don't necessarily always gel with Superman because. It's like, like I look at Superman and like wonder, and it's the, and it's the big difference between Marvel and DC, where DC's characters are more godlike, and yep. Marvels are more every man, right? And, yeah, I agree. And, and and it's the thing because you kind of look at Superman, you'd be like, well, no one can beat him, and when someone beats him, you're like, but could they really? But then you look at Spider-Man and you can think, yeah, there, there's ways of beating Spider-Man, right? There's ways of beating, and we see the great ways of beating like a character like Daredevil, use sound disruption and yeah, just yeah. all different things. And you, and well, you can yeah. do that. And it's good to know that someone is vulnerable and they could be beaten because it makes the story interesting. Because if you think they can't be beaten, you're just like, well, this story is irrelevant because they're always going to be victorious well it's actually funny i call it the god complex god factor which uh, i mean i made it up i don't like it like 
take the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, for example, right? In the first Spider-Man, he actually gets cut by the, you know, Green Lantern Ninja Stars, and he bleeds. Yes. And then he's hiding in the ceiling, and blood is dropping down. It's like, yeah, he's very, very vulnerable. He can get cut. He can bleed. And then you take the Tobey Maguire, the last one, the number three, and he's getting smashed through buildings and fall, you know, he's getting beat to crap and he doesn't even bleed. It's like, what happened? Originally, uh, you, you connected yeah. with him because he could, he could still get cut by the, a simple blade and, and, and bleed. And then all of a sudden they're invincible. So it's really important to me that our heroes are incredibly vulnerable, you know, and just have a little bit of an advantage. And they're using that one advantage, but they can still feel pain. They can still get hurt. They can still get their butt kicked. You know, and that's important. Yeah, that was that was the thing that I I loved about the Marvel Netflix stuff, right? Because yeah. all the stuff on terrestrial TV, it was it's like one and done, and it just made no sense. But then on yeah. the Marvel ones, you just saw Matt get beat up one episode, and the next episode, the bruises are still there. He's limping, and yeah. sometimes it would be the rest of the season. He's fucked. And you'd be like, oh, that's so great because we see the collateral damage of these incidents. Yeah. The right? Arrowverse, the Arrowverse is really good too, though. I mean, I'm yeah. a big fan of the Arrowverse. I mean, Flash, Arrow. I mean, even Legends of Tomorrow, I love that stuff. They're all, they're all, you know, they got a, somewhat of a, you know, magic and powers, but they're all very vulnerable. I love that, you know. Yeah. 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 I've heard that stuff is all very good. I just, there's so much. I can only watch so much, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you say it because that's another thing when we made this, you know, I, I'd say the biggest challenge of doing this is, I mean, I knew what I wanted to do, but when you actually execute it and tell a story, you got to be careful, like not to do something that somebody else did. Yes. So I'm really like this whole endeavor was like almost like an obstacle course of avoiding everybody else's IP. So what I have is 100% original. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, its source is the Arthurian legend, uh, but so are all the others, you know, yeah. for the most part. So it's not like it's original, original, but I'm, I'm saying it's, I, I'm avoiding the, you know, thing, no glowing light swords, <laughs> no stretchy super suits, no, you know, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I don't, there's very few superheroes that have metal, um, you know, in their costumes. So, and no, I don't think there's, you know, now they're starting to do some carbon fiber and stuff. But when I developed this, I didn't see very much of it. So, like, I'm even trying to make every part of this a little different than what anyone else has seen. So, it's tough, though, man. It is tough because everybody's doing a superhero thing now. So, you're trying to. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel sometimes people are very lazy about it. Right. And, and you just be like, hey, that, that's so much like blah, blah, blah. And. It's, it's one of those things, right? I think there's a, maybe there's a limited number of stories, but it's, right. it's about the interpretation of that story. It's how you bring it to life, you know? And we've seen so many kind of interpretations of the Arthurian legend of, you know, Homer's Odyssey, you know? All right, yeah. That. Like, um, oh, my goodness. Dude that was in the ship and he got flooded. Odysseus, Odysseus, right? And you, there was a card oh, yeah. back in the day, Ulysses 31, which was Odysseus in the future, which I loved as a kid. And it was just right, that yeah. you could take 
made it unique, made it different. And that's the thing. It's how can you add your own voice to something where it's not cliche, where you're not ripping someone off and you're being original? It's hard. It's very, very hard. But I, I mean, yeah, it's really hard, you know, and, and, the, and occasionally there's a few little things here and there that somebody might try to do that. We're like, oh, we, we did that first, you know, um, but is the most part um, we, we seem to be, you know, we've gotten lucky and no one's like come out with the same thing since, yeah. you know, we started production on this a couple of years ago and then COVID, of course, just we lost an entire year in the middle of it. So, you know, it's a long time before your original idea comes out and all of a sudden someone has like the same, you know, something very similar, you know? Yeah. And we've been, so fortunately, you know, we've been lucky for the most part. Um, you know, every once in a while something comes out and I, and I hold my breath. Uh, when the kid who would be King came out, I was really, I'm like, Oh no, but it's so different. It's okay. You know? Um, so like every once in a while something comes out that sort of like, you know, it's like, uh Oh, this isn't the, there was a, uh, Artemis Fowl that came out and there was a lot of that like you know your father is a thing and you're yeah, part of a thing yeah. you didn't know you were part of and I was like oh no but then Artemis Fowl was completely different than this so so there there are people you know things do come out that are sort of similar themes but fortunately they're different and we have our own thing and uh that's thank you for that you know so so far we're like you know something cool and original and you know and, I, and as I say you know just uh, to the people watching this, you know, watch it. Be the be one of the first to see it, and then you can tell everyone I saw it when no one heard of it. You know, be the first <laughs> that I say. And by yeah. the time this podcast comes out, it'll be out everywhere. You know. Oh, and, for sure, for sure. And like when you when you are conceiving this, right? And mm -hmm. you know, you you mentioned a bit about it with the helmets and the connectivity and all of that. It's like how much do you think? All right, we're gonna we'll leave that to the next one or this one. No, this has to be in this one because there's that leave it to the next one. And maybe the next one doesn't happen. So it's just like, how do you like work around that and kind of envision like, okay, I, I want to do more of these. So I want to leave stuff. I don't want to throw everything at someone. I want people to be wanting this more. And these, these little breadcrumbs lead to, right. but how much do I need to create a solid foundation? Well, actually, uh, it's sort of one of my pet peeves is when people make a movie and they're like, where's the sequel? There's a sequel. There's a sequel. And they don't even assume they, the movie's going to be any good. So I did not. I This movie ends. This movie yeah. has a beginning, a middle, an end, and it ends. And if there's no sequels, that's okay. This story is a complete standalone story you can watch by yourself. However in the process of making the entire universe make sense, you could be a nobleman. Any, there's so, the, the way it's designed that there's these bloodlines that go through time, you know, very Dan Brown, you know, you know, the Da Vinci Code kind of thing. So you don't know who is an heir to the nobleman, you know, the bloodline right, no, throughout that, time. That. So you could do another story in this universe. Yeah. And there's, and there's four magic helmets throughout 1700 years of history. So there's hundreds and hundreds of stories that can happen in this universe. And there are lots of fun ideas I have for that, but you, I made it a point that this story ends 
so you could, but it's really important that this story ends and you enjoy the movie and you're like, ah, oh, that was great. I'm glad I watched it. What's next? Not like, yeah. oh, what happens? I, I don't, I didn't do that. I made it a completely enjoyable movie that stands on its own. And if you never see another one, you will be satisfied. That, that's good. But I just want to make it clear and everyone listening understands Dan did just say, I will be a nobleman. Right, so I'm the UK nobleman, people. Right, I want my spin off, Dad. You, you just said it. <laughs> Say that again. I, I don't. I, I what, what was the thing? No, you like, were like, I'm, you, I'm not allowed. You, you said you could be a nobleman, so right. I'm, I'm taking that that I'm going to be the UK nobleman. Right? So Damn right. Like, yes, you can. You can be. Yeah. You don't know your bloodline. It. Well, here's the thing. There, there was a lot of things we floated around. Little and, cool, um, action. and trust me, if we do a sequel, we got some great ideas where people who you would just think are regular Joes accidentally throw that helmet on and then they're like, oh, whoa, we didn't know about you, you know, <laughs> so, so there's a lot of fun, funny things and entertaining storylines that we've come up with. I mean, I got, I mean, we, you know, obviously we want to expand it. Obviously we want to do more of these. Obviously we want to, I, I've already got a sequel written. Um, uh, a complete sequel. There's a, there is a, there is, there are breadcrumbs in the movie for a sequel, but if the sequel doesn't happen, you won't miss it. You know what yeah. I mean? But if you like, when, the, but the idea for the sequel is you'd be like, oh right, those are in the movie, but you don't, you will not like finish the movie. And go, what's gonna, you know, what's that all about? You won't do that. You'll be completely satisfied. And as a matter of fact, I did have hints for sequels that I threw out when I made the movie. Because I did, I, I just hate it when they do that, you know. Like, um, I love the movie Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but the way they made it sound is like like there's another movie coming right right up next about the the rebellion, and it's like, well, they're not going to make that movie, so I feel like, oh man, I'm ripped off. So I hate it when they do that. Or yeah. the Golden Compass, or the movie The Golden Compass, right? That's this whole series of books, and then they never finish it. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the guy. I didn't want that. So anything that like referred to another adventure, I remove. And all I do is have references to the bigger world. So, yeah. you know, if, if, if you all watch it and really like it, and when that comes about, we can take advantage of that bigger world. So, see, I, I do enjoy when those things are floated in films, right? So it makes it sound like it is this huge tapestry. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and that, it may always, because it makes sense when you're talking about this stuff and you'd be like, oh yeah, well, so we, we could check the one in blah, blah, blah. Oh, what about, you know, it's just like, but it's just like, yeah, but we're here. We're here. Right. That's too much time. And you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Right, right. And, and it's not like oh, we now have to look at this, or we have to go no, because nope. we're in this story, and all of that it, it it works for this story, and that's that is always good. But yeah, I hate it when something it it throws all of this stuff out there, which you're like, all right, well, you have to tell that now, and yep. you're going, all right, so there's going to be a part two, and then it just never happens. But, yeah, know, so like, yeah, you oh. yep, you'll enjoy it as is standalone. It'll be great. Yeah. So but with with all of that, uh, right? Cat cat crossing. Sorry. <laughs> really, dude. I'm I'm doing an interview, man. Uh, like, Sorry uh, about that. 
you know, will the nobleman have familiars, steeds, or anything like that? Have what? Like, um, you know, companions, seats, horses, or, you know, the equivalent yes. of. Yes, we have all kinds of stuff in the works. We have all kinds of stuff in the works. But, you know, you got to crawl before you can walk. <laughs> got to walk before you can run. So let right now, let's just, you know, see how the world responds to this movie. Hopefully people love it, and then we can keep going with it. So that, and that's my, 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 what I really hope for. It is, it is very intriguing. The whole the whole thing and i think it is a complete story but like right. I think there's so much that you kind of envisioned when you're watching, oh yeah there's like, there's a lot what, there yeah yeah what where it could go and just everything mm -hmm. and just from just from everything that you see like the ceremonies and all of this oh, yeah. stuff you're just like oh man <laughs> yeah that big this is great yeah well, like, if enough people if enough people ask for it, they will get it. <laughs> <laughs> like when you when you do create something, do you storyboard it or you just write in a script or how everything? Do you I use every tool in the book. I do storyboards. I do animatics. I just write things down. Um, sometimes just the choreographer, the fight choreographer, and I will just explore ideas. Yeah, I, I'm not really married to any one process but I definitely use all of them because certain tools are the best. Um, really complex scenes, I'll storyboard. It's really complex. Yeah. I'll story, storyboard it out so I can keep track of everything. Uh, simpler things, I like the actors to live in the moment and let the actors bring their characters to life. And then I step, like I try not to tell the actors what to do. I like to let them do their thing and then I just give them notes, so. Okay. No, that makes sense. And yeah. what would you say was the hardest part of the film, right? To to conceive or to bring to life on the screen. The most the most difficult thing was the super suit. I mean, they look great when they're standing still. And, you know, the thing has carbon fiber and woven aluminum in it. So, you know, certain parts of it are actually bulletproof. I mean, they're really strong. Oh. But but all the joints well, I had this silly idea. Let's make it out of Kevlar so it's actually bulletproof. You know, I thought that'd be a fun little aside. <laughs> but the thing is, though, it's it's not the hard part, but it's all the joints and the soft parts to get them. Right. Like, wow, it is brutal. And it's interesting because I think I have a PhD in superhero suit design at this point because <laughs> there's certain things I see in other super suits and other movies. And I'm like, ah, why is that there? That doesn't look so good. And I'm like, ah, I know why that's there because they're cheating. Because there's certain things you can do in a suit that if you put joints in certain spots, there's much more mobility. And so the things that I was doing battle with and losing, I could see why like the big Hollywood studios designed their suits in certain ways. Right. But, you know, but I still wanted to look a certain way. So I had to suffer. Um, but it's like pauldrons are not. They look great, but I don't see how knights could have fought with those things because real, real, real pauldrons are just like you lift your arm up and the thing like hits you in the face as you, you know, because you got your, your your neck guard. So if you lift up your hand, your neck guard like smashes you in the face when you lift yeah, your neck guard. That's true. You know? Yeah. So it's like I, you know, I sometimes think when you go to the like the Tower of London and you look at these things, I'm like, I don't think they actually fought in these. I think they just wore them on horses and held a lance because they're like, raise your arm up with with a pauldron. I mean, it just it's 
So there's a lot of stuff where we were like, oh my God, this is brutal, you know? And also, you know, what is the back of it? Everyone's wearing a cape. I think the reason why they all wear capes is to hide what the back of the suit looks like. <laughs> trying to figure out what the back, the back looks like is, is, is really hard. So there was a lot of things that you took, you know, you see, you've seen your whole life or especially in comics, but then when you actually try to make armor work mechanically, you're just like, oh my God, this is so tough. So that was the hardest part, you know? We were plowing through suits too because the stuntmen were doing really heavy duty stunts and these things are just like, like I said, the, the, the sh we never got new armor plating. The same armor plating lasted the whole movie, but the soft parts had to be replaced dozens of times. So right. it was pretty wild. That's like I never afford that. <laughs> oh, neither, neither did I until we're on set and the armor's like. You know, and you got a piece of armor there and a piece of armor there and a big tear in the suit, you know. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, yeah. Like, was there a lot of stuff that you kind of wrote, conceived, and be like, this is what we're doing, but then the budget, you realize, ah, we can't do that. or, or, or this Well, is yeah, I actually, there, as you can see, there's a little bit of flashbacks to medieval times, but I wanted to burn a whole village and have horses. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to have, you know, the bad guy, the bad evil demons, you know, plowing through a medieval town and just terrorizing the town. And yeah. And instead we just have, you know, flames in the foreground and a, and a single circling. Ah, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I really and, and that's on my like bucket list that I really would have loved to have more. Like you hear horses, but you don't see horses. You know, you hear the horses trotting by there's no actual horses. So, yeah, I would have really have preferred to, well, I would have loved to beef up the flashbacks and telling the backstory and the origins of the actual nobleman. That's one thing I really would love to have done. And, that, and that's definitely on the top of the list. We might even do a short film just to put on the website to supplement the movie with, you know, something like that. Because that's one thing I wish I had the budget for, but I didn't. So. Okay. I mean, could you tell that story as an animated piece or something like that i i could i could and we're good we actually have some things we're doing in the works there is some animation stuff we're putting on yeah we do want to supplement with a lot of you know how they did matrix there's something before oh there was a lot of little shorts weren't they, they made yeah yeah i want to kind of do something like that but then marvel also does the thing they did marvel one shot yes they kind of yeah, so we definitely want to do some of that stuff. Okay, that's just fun. to help you know build out the world a little bit over the next year. So yeah, like I said, we'll get the movie out tomorrow, and then just over time we'll keep adding to it and expanding it, and you know, and people will find an audience. You know, we we definitely want this brand to grow, and we want to turn it into something that's just a, a complete world, a complete brand with books, games, stories, short films. You know. It's not just, you know, the movie's a good launch pad, but we're going to keep build, you know, keep building this and make something that actually fans will enjoy. And then, you know, preferably it'll be, you know, every day they click and get to, get to see something interesting. So it's just a matter of time. No, that's great, man. And yeah, I think if you put the content out, yeah, people will find it and will enjoy it. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's just going to take time, patience, and eventually it, and it'll find its legs and it'll find its audience. And I think it's going to be a nice little bit, you know. Oh, for I mean, sure. Is, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great things out there that are not, you know, big Disney, you know, ink 
you know, monolith that people still enjoy quite a bit. So that's our plan. Hey, good stories are good stories. That that exactly. that's like I think people worry about that too much. Like, ah, but you know, the big studios are making these things and how can we compete? And it's just like, yo, if the story is good, the story is good, right? And people will come to a good story. Like it took like it took a little while for dread to that yeah, movie. that's a, that's a good one. That's a good example. I mean, that, obviously a different audience, but that's a great example of it. Yeah, yeah, and people are still talking about dread now, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's and so now I do believe we're gonna get the TV series spinoff, and they are talking about the the, the sequel, right? And I think yeah. that's because so many people are still talking. About it. it sat with people because it's good. The story's great. You know what I mean? So yeah, yep. good stories are good stories, man. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time because I know you're making uh, my pleasure. Open, yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, I'm in production of a new movie, and yeah, I got to get going. I got barbarians at the gate with questions. So, <laughs> but, uh, but thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's great. Hey, no worries, man. And where can people follow? all things alpha rift and just dead lens in general man. just alpha rift.com everything will be there we have of course instagram facebook uh and there's you know my website but i think really what matters is alpha rift is where all of all the effort is going alpha rift.com and we're gonna have anything and everything about that on that one website so um and that's it and then like i said if you subscribe to the site then you'll be on the mailing list. That way, you know, if some if it takes a week or two or a month where something doesn't come out, we'll we'll send it to you and you know get it in your inbox when there's something new. You know, we're not going to be like these places that send something every day. We're just going to send out stuff when we have stuff to say. So, you know, it'll be a good way to just keep a finger on the brand, and as things go on, you'll know. So, tremendous. Well. Dad, I, I hope all the success with it. I am very intrigued to see what happens with the, you know, the the sequel, the tabletop game. You know what I mean? I wouldn't mind seeing a chess set. We might see a chess set, Dad. Ooh, you know I haven't thought of that one, but we we might figure something out. I haven't thought of that one. I gotta figure <laughs> out who the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yo, Dad, it's really been a pleasure. And I hope you come back to talk about the new movie and just all the other stuff you have coming, man. Oh, You're absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Be my pleasure. All right. Thank you, Dad. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, people. So, yeah, that was it, man. Great conversation, right? Great game. It makes you want to go see that film, play the game, and all that other goodness that Dan has planned. Oh, people, as I said, look, go join the website, right? So yeah, in the know. Follow them on social, because why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you, you know? And yeah, the film is now out stateside. It's out in the UK, I mean, 
and I'm sure the rest of the world too, people. So get you some Alpha Rift action. And that's not all, people. Because yes, we're at the end of this part. Yeah, part. Because people, I promised you a bumper. And it's another free part of people. So buckle up and go check out part three. All right.